Hashtag I swallow. I swallow. I don't know how to auto tune. You don't. <laughs> it sounds like a goose. Welcome back to the Shaking Not Scared podcast. Here with you, as always, your hosts, Eric and Vivi. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2021 film Death Drop Gorgeous, directed by Michael J. Ahern, Christopher Dalp, and Brandon Paris. I apologize if I mispronounced those, but before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? I am good. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Super excited to cover this movie. I watched it twice because I took the notes, but I was like, I need to get this done. Need to talk soon. about it. Yeah. How are you? I'm sick, if you could tell from my voice. So I hope I can keep up the good energy because this movie deserves it. It really does. Yeah. Did you know that the three directors are in it? Yeah. I was also surprised to see who they are. I think I knew that before I watched it. How'd you know? When people were suggesting what movie to cover, I had kind of looked up each one of them. And you see the director's name. They're in the acting credits as well. Yeah. Tony O'Hara and Brian. Yep. But before we get into the movie, should we talk about creepy content? Yes, I have nothing. What do you have? I have just been listening to the Slash Her podcast a lot. People probably know about it already. They've been around for, I think, a few more years than we have. But they are a super fun podcast about horror, in case you didn't know. So check them out if you haven't already. What are they recently covered? Oh, God. X and then Scream. I feel like I mention this every time I mention a podcast. But I try to listen to movies that we've already covered so I don't get influenced. So mainly I've been going back through their backlog. Oh, I love listening to shows like theirs, too, just because they pull out these horror movies that I've like never even heard of. And I'm like, well, we have to add that to the list. Yeah. We did the sadness for Patreon, so go check it out. Oh, that's creepy content. I guess if you haven't listened to our Patreon, then that's technically creepy content for us because we did that last week. Oh, my God, that movie. Yeah. Go find out why it's a mess. We weren't sure whether we hated or loved it. It's a it's a ride. To say the very least. <laughs> a lot of really bad things happen in that movie. It's not the sadness for nothing. Do you have any comfort content on that that note to cheer us up we went to see the bob's burgers movie that i've been talking about since i don't know it was announced that it was finally going to be released this year that movie was so good it was so comforting and i would totally go watch it again a million times i even like wanted to cry at one point you too i did tear up yeah i, I love that show wiping your tears away it's so wholesome it is just so wholesome i think that's why i just love watching it yeah no spoilies but i'm wondering if it's gonna go into the canon of the main show because it kind of changes a couple of things Again, I don't know because I feel like cartoons do that thing of ignore the movie. We're just going to go back to what we were doing. Do you think they'll do that, though? Because they did lead up to the movie in the show with the pit forming in front of the restaurant. And the movie feels like it's kind of a like a chapter ending and a new one beginning. Yeah, we'll see what they do with the new season because I think the new season just got announced. <sighs> I can't wait. All right. So to dive into today's movie, obviously, we came up with a drink called... The Death Drop of Janet Fitness. It's a fun drink. It's kind of like a mimosa. And we added a car bomb twist to it just by getting a moonshine cherry that's obviously in red liquid and pouring it into the mimosa, making it look like a drop in blood. Yeah, it kind of works out because it turns the drink pink like the movie poster. We were going for a Janet Fitness, Planet Fitness color scheme, yellow and purple. So we're probably going to garnish it with some purple flower, maybe lavender. Yes. Do you want to dry it? Yeah. You're about to put it down and picked it up suspiciously. Yeah, because I don't taste the moonshine. Does the moonshine have a particular cherry taste, do you think? I kind of wanted to try the cherry on its own to see if it has. Do you want to? We can. If you fail your speed run, we'll try the cherry. Gotcha. That'll be our shot. But yeah, the guy at the liquor store was like, have you ever had these before? Because they're pretty fucking strong. Yeah. So the cherry's just floating around in there waiting to kill us. Right at the end. What do you think, though? I love a mimosa, so I'm good with this. You say it doesn't really add flavor, but I definitely taste the like sweetness of the cherry juice mixture in there does give it a bit of a different taste i'm gonna blame it on the sickness because i really can't it's not covid if anyone was thinking that i can't taste or smell certain things but i could i could Mm, taste and smell that sounds like covid no i'm just really congested with boogies Mm. Mm. delicious yeah I like it too, though. I have recently said that I think I like Aperol spritzes more, but mimosas are always fun to drink. And I like this. I think it's worth checking out while you experience the diva and glamour. And <laughs> I was, I was like, where words. is he going with this? I was looking for words. That was a very long pause. The divaness. Well, because I was like, is the diva a thing? Experience the diva. Within you. There you go. While you experience the diva and glamour of Vivi's fun facts. 
What do you got for me today? So it's actually kind of difficult to find any info on this movie. I don't know if you had that issue when you were trying to do like the character names and write up. Difficult to find since it's such an indie production, I'm assuming. So I had to find some interviews that were done with the directors. And I found out that this movie was actually filmed over the course of two years. It was, I know, it was a passion project for the three directors. And they had to film it on weekends and nights because they all work day jobs. Wow, that's crazy. So do you think that's why IMDb shows it for 2020? Like it took two years to come out maybe and they were kind of releasing it ahead of time? It could be. It could also be that it made its way through the festival circuit for a while before getting released to Shudder, which is where we watched it. It is also available on Tubi. Yeah, we'd originally heard of this movie on Salem Horror Fest. Yes, and we had saved it to watch it and we just didn't make it on time because Halloween is our busiest time. We're sorry. Obviously. We wanted to. But we got around to it. Yeah, that's cool. I love it. I love it when a project is passionate. And you can tell everybody who was in this really cared about which characters were involved, how they acted. There's a lot of camp. So much camp. Like, I don't know much about the drag queen community, but were a lot of these drag queens also like actual queens who are known for this? Yeah, so I believe the directors really wanted to give it that authentic feel. So they hired real drag queens. I think it shows. Right. You could tell that they didn't just make this up for the movie. Another fun fact, again, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt because it was difficult to find info on this movie. But the budget for this movie was, do you want to take a guess? 15K. A little more than that. 25K. A little less than that. 20K. 20K. And right off the bat, I guess we will say this. Watch this movie as an indie film. Do not judge it against big Hollywood productions. We mentioned right off the bat, this is clearly a labor of love movie. There are things in this that they really have a ton of potential, but because it's an indie film, low budget 20K, it doesn't have that same grandest like effect, but it is the same when you give it a chance. And how many times do we talk about horror films that have a minuscule budget and end up just doing crazy at the box office because there's just so much room to grow? Yeah. I mean, I saw that MDB gives it a pretty low score. There's a lot of other reasons for why that would be. Yeah, fuck people. But like, I'd love to see more. It could be the start of many other things for these directors and even these actors. I actually heard that they are working. I guess this is my other fun fact. They are working on another film. It plans to be more of a slow burn psychological thriller instead of this very camp slasher that we have here. So kind of a shift, but I'm excited to see what these directors do. That'd be cool. I'm ready for it. I'd watch it. Yeah. And again, we're saying it's indie, but once you get used to the style of this film, you don't even realize it. You don't even pay attention to that aspect anymore. You're like in it with these characters. I'd watch this twice. I think it's worse when you watch it the first time, but when you watch it the second time, there is so much to this movie that mm-hmm. when you know how it ends, and I'll tell you why, because like when I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, like these guys knew what they were doing from the get go. It's like so much is connected, so much is told to you, so much foreshadowing, so much that it's not even apparent. There's movies where we've seen where like, obviously that's foreshadowing, obviously that's whatever. <laughs> and there are some moments like that, but here one piece of dialogue means so much more to the film than you get. I think the first watch. All right. So are you ready to fail the speed run so we can try those cherries? Yes. You're going to do it on purpose, aren't you? Yes. How dare you. If you're going to have two faces, you might as well make one of them worth looking at. Dang. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. So sad. Thanks for that. Just kidding. The insults in this movie are what make it worth watching alone. They're so good. They really are. So good. The one liners in this movie. 10 out of 10. I can't even capture them in my write up because otherwise I'd have been sitting here forever. Like, and then she said. And then she said. And then she was like, what? And then clap back. That's the whole write up. It's just them just going at each other. It is a good chunk of the movie. All right. You going to tie me? Yeah. We're pretty terrible. Pretty terrible at segues on the pod. We're pretty terrible. If you haven't noticed. They're a bod. Ready? Oh, God. One, two, three, go. Okay, so we pretty much follow Dwayne, I think his name is, and he is coming back to his hometown after a bad relationship and just like re-entering his job at a bar. It's a drag bar, and he's kind of finding his footing. He's rooming with his bestie, and uh, basically immediately gay men start to get murdered at this drag spot, and you don't know who it is, who's the killer. Classic slasher type uh movie and uh we find out that it's actually this older drag queen who's been treated terrible in the club scene and she's like murdering them for blood so she could stay young and gorgeous and then she kind of like murders everyone until Dwayne for some reason is the only one left with the bar and he just becomes the owner and she runs away with the best character in the movie named Tragedy. You beat it by 15 seconds. So okay. You don't get to try these cherries. I thought I, I had failed. Yeah, you, you were like panicking and you had 35 I felt seconds. I like so. I was talking way too much. You were at second 25 and you were like, oh Oh my god! I mean, yes, in my mind, I was like, I've already failed. I do want to try this cherry, though. Should we try the whole 
the whole shebang. Look at all the glitter. I love the glitter. Oh, I think we forgot to mention that we added edible glitter to this because it wouldn't be a gorgeous death drop without glitter. Without some shiny glitter. Do I do I try the moonshine first or all in one go? Cheers, all in one go. Oh, that got worse the more you chewed. That is a lot. It literally just tasted like cherries at first. Mine went straight to moonshine. Oh, no, I bit into the cherry and that's when it went bad. Oh. Who yeah. eats these <laughs> for fun? And there's others, right? I think they have like pickled moonshine. And onion or something like that. I haven't seen onion, but they definitely have like desserty flavors. Well. These cherries are going to last as well. Unless we trick everyone. Oh, they're fine. They're just maraschino cherries. They're just cherries. normal cherries. Just kidding. That's an asshole move. Don't do that. It is. Don't do that. <laughs> don't be a dick. Okay. I'll just say one more thing and then I guess we can get into this yeah. discussion because I feel like we're just like raving about it. This movie on first watch feels superficial. Like it's just for the kills. It's just for the queens and the camp. Doing research for it. You had to watch it again. I was just listening to interviews and reading interviews by the directors and you realize there is themes of like ageism, sexism, and racism in in this film that it's kind of lost on you at first because it just feels like they're just throwing it in there with Dwayne's character at one point someone calls him like I don't like blacks and then later Gloria Hull keeps calling him Tito <laughs> I didn't understand why she kept calling him that I was like oh yeah racism I forgot right. older drag queen probably oh racist. my god okay but Gloria Hull she's amazing let's get into this movie because I just love that she literally threw a cigarette butt at a fucking baby <laughs> you know that when I was taking the notes it was before that scene that you told me that I hit play and it was that scene and I was like no I'm not going to summarize because <laughs> I have to add these little bitchy things that people do but it is part of the character that would be my one critique of the film I guess the pacing of this film is a bit long yes some scenes could be shorter <laughs> so I guess a quick disclaimer we are obviously not part of the drag community and there are some phrases and some jokes that are probably lost on us but if we get anything wrong, please just let us know. We are not trying to be insensitive. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're uneducated. Do you want to know what IMDb says about it real quick? Do I, though? No, but we're going to say it anyway. A dejected bartender and an aging drag queen try to survive the eccentric and hostile nightlife of a corrupt city as a masked maniac slaughters young gay men and drains them of blood. Still a better movie than fucking Midnight Mass. Is that your base for comparison? For well, anything with vampires. And like Midnight Mass made vampires fucking boring. And this makes vampires fun. They are vampires. Are they though? Tragedy is definitely a vampire. I mean, yeah, tragedy is for sure like Dracula. She even looks like Lady Gaga in American Horror Story as the Countess. Oh, do you know what tragedy's name is? Like her real name? Like their drag name. What is it? Does it say it there? I don't want to get it wrong, but it's something like Complete Destruction. Oh yeah, it is. Complete Destruction. Complete Destruction. That's awesome. Love that. I love it. All right, let's get into it. Also, IMDb gives us a 3.8. Fuck them. Based on 220 ratings, can we rate bomb this good ratings? Yes, especially on Shudder because there is always those few disappointing reviews that you see on there. I love and I hate that Shudder allows you to review films because they are very gatekeeper-y people. Let's do it for Pride Month. This only has 220 people who have rated on IMDb and it's got a 3.8 and I think it deserves way better. At least double. Not just on Pride Month. Every day. Yeah. Just go and rate this movie. Yeah, don't be a shitty person <laughs> and go do this. Right now, pause the episode, go do it, and then come back. And then rate us because we also need ratings. Are you back? Did Thank you do you. it? Awesome. You're great. All right. We start on a guy walking in the street, checking his Pounder app profile. Pounder app. Pounder app. Being this movie's grinder. I've never used the app, and obviously I don't know what it's about. I just have heard people say that like you could position yourself within feet of another person who uses it, kind of like Tinder and these other apps that are for dating. But I think Tinder, it just shows you people in your community. Grinder literally shows you this person's two feet away from you. But it doesn't show you the person, right? Where you still have to kind of like find out who it is. You know who we should have asked to comment on this movie is your brother. Yeah, we should have brought him in. We could bring him in for the next one if he's got time. He's got no job right now. Shout out Johnny if you, you probably don't listen to this, but you should. <laughs> Shout out to Johnny. He doesn't have a job. Yeah, good for him. Living the grand old life. That's the fucking dream to yeah, not have seriously. a job and still have money. Yeah, he's got Daddy Ryan taking care of him. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> Shout out to Daddy Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your brother-in-law is going to be thrilled that you just called him that. But yeah, so Grinder app is a pounder app here and they basically get fucking murdered through it because this is the reason that a lot of people get pulled into a random corner and murdered it really is his name is Candyman, though this guy that we see on an app and he gets a message from someone anonymous asking if he's pmp you had to tell me what this was because no i had to look it up i am not cultured i am sorry you said it's party and play party and play what does that mean it usually means hook up and drugs oh okay as the interwebs have told me he doesn't respond and goes into a bar but he gets kicked out the anonymous person messages him again and Candyman asks where they are he goes around looking for them until he finds a car in the back alley we switch to the point of view of the driver as Candyman gets on the car and gets handed a tray of coke. Candyman does a line and notices some tubes in the back seat 
coming out of a barrel as his nose starts to bleed. While he tries to start a conversation, the driver wipes the blood away, causing Candyman to notice and get out of the car in a panic. He doesn't make it that far and collapses in front of the car, allowing for the killer to come over and stab him on the ground several times with a screwdriver. We only see a gloved hand as they dig and wiggle the screwdriver around into Candyman's back. The killer turns him over as he convulses. He's got like spit and stuff coming out of his face. And we get the Death Drop Gorgeous in Neon introduction card. Death Drop Gorge. That kill was pretty decent. It is. I like the effects in this movie. I do too. And just wiggling. Anytime you wiggle a weapon in someone's body, I'm going to be like, ugh. <laughs> and it lingers. It's like, yeah. He's like playing with it. Oh, God. Yeah. It's uh, pretty brutal. Like he's already, he's already convulsed. He's dead. He's already dead. But the killer enjoys it. The intro credits roll as we see Dwayne looking to get a job and checking Pounder only to get rejected by someone random. He's like, of course. He walks in on tragedy, cleaning the place, and silently she bows in front of him, but he just stares weirdly at her and makes his way past her. The way this character is only in this movie for like seven minutes and has my whole heart. I love her too, yeah. <laughs> just everything about her is what I love. She just stares. She's just there, ominous, creepy. We end up finding out who the killer is. It's not tragedy. But I was like, I think I'd have been more surprised if they went with tragedy. And you're like, no, she is innocent. <laughs> I will defend her in court. She's great. Tragedy with an eye, by the way. Keep it mysterious. Yeah. Tony Two Fingers is the guy in charge, and he's clearly a fucking douchebag. It sounds like Dwayne used to work here, but left town to start a business with an ex-boyfriend. Dwayne wants his job back. And we also see that Tony has a guy in a dog gimp suit who acts literally like a dog. Dog bowl. There's a dog bed. They got a leash on. They're growling. I think they're only referred to as pup for the entire film. Yep. So, pup. Moves his dog bowl and hands Dwayne a bag of coke as Tony explains he needs him to move it for him. Dwayne's like, what the fuck? Nah, I'm good. And Tony says he doesn't need any bartenders, but ends up squeezing him in on Tuesdays. Apparently this whole bit, again, I'm not educated and I'm sorry, is an actual thing in the gay community. Moving coke? No. (laughs) (laughs) Being a dog for somebody? Uh, Yes. It's called like pup play or something of that nature i want to look it up but i'm afraid the more you know i want to add like a sounder that's like the more you know the more you know you should really add one that says we don't know anything because i feel like we say that every episode it's gonna be just like getting sadder as we say it we don't know anything We don't know anything. Dwayne asks if Tuesdays are still karaoke nights, though, and Tony goes off saying the club gets a younger and faster crowd now. Dwayne leaves after asking if they still call him Tony Two Fingers because he's missing three fingers on one hand. And it becomes the running joke for the rest of the movie. It is not obvious. The entire time I was like, why do they keep referring to him as like Lobster Hand, Tony Two Fingers, and he's literally just holding back two fingers to make it look like they were cut off. I kept trying to look for his hand because he hides them. He does. He hides his hand like most of the movie and I thought he was hiding it because I was like he's just literally got like a giant claw for a hand there's a movie like that isn't there are you thinking American Horror Story the circus oh yeah yeah, season yeah Yeah. I was expecting that (laughs) the way they kept talking about it but yeah he's just missing fingers no big deal yeah no nothing it's cool he can still smoke a cigarette all you need is two fingers and I think that's the joke for a lot of things Back at Dwayne's apartment, we meet Brian. Brian is a great character, and I was sad to see what happens later. Oh, way to give it away. No, he leaves town. See, they won't won't know what happens. Mm -hmm. That's a red herring. Brian's excited that Dwayne is back and working at the club on Tuesdays. Brian clearly loves the Queen Janet Fitness and can't wait for Dwayne to see her perform tonight. Dwayne doesn't seem as excited, but Brian convinces him, saying he has to live his life. It's nighttime, and Brian mentions, oh yeah, uh, I'm going to be meeting a guy there. Okay. Okay, Dwayne's like, shit, so I'm third wheeling, and Brian's like, no, he's a grad student, handsome, and he's the top. Good for Brian. Yeah, we meet this grad student who's clearly disgusted at the sight of Brian, but Brian makes the best of it and is happy this guy looks just like his profile picture. Oh, poor Brian. Yeah, I know. Yeah, fuck this guy, though. While Brian tells the grad dude about when he was Snoopy in a Charlie Brown production, Dwayne notices a queen having a drink by the bar. Dwayne turns to Brian to ask what happened in Gloria Hole, but Brian laughs, saying, Gloria Troll? which is what the other queens call her too. Whiskey, gravity, and basic songs happened to her. Which is devastating, but I mean, yeah. But we're about to come on to one of the biggest themes of this film, and it is the ageism happening in this community. He says that Janet Fitness is the future of drag as she gets announced to the stage. As she performs a Death Drop Gorgeous song, plays, and people tip her, especially Brian, who runs to the front, happily shoving everyone out of his way to get to her. 
So we mentioned at the beginning that Brian is one of the directors of the film, and I love the way he plays this character. Oh, it's so great. Everyone calls him annoying, but I'm like, no, he's just like having a good time. And it's to his own dismay, because it's what gets him in trouble later. To move towns later. <laughs> if towns were life and death. So I think this film has actually received criticism for the way it plays on gay stereotypes. But I think the directors have mentioned that every character they portray is supposed to be satirical and meant to kind of point fingers at things that are maybe a little problematic in the gay community. Again, this is from the directors. I don't know. I am not saying this. Go check out their interviews. They're pretty fun. I'm only going to add my two cents. I'd rather hear that from directors who are a part of this community than Absolutely. like white straight dudes. Absolutely. Who are like, yeah, I have a friend. Because that was like, we were debating whether or not to bring it up on this episode because we did go see Men. That was one of my biggest issues with that movie is that it is written, directed, produced by men. And it felt like men mansplaining misogyny to you. They literally called the movie men though, babe. What'd you expect? Uh, I'm sorry. They put the brand on I should have known. Like, Just FYI, this is a movie about men, not women. For men, by men. Yeah. Once the performance is over, Brian is so excited about how great Janet is when the grad douche says he isn't feeling this and likes dudes who act like dudes. He turns to Dwayne and says he also doesn't like blacks. Just the use of the word blacks, not black people, alone increases the racism. Oh, it, I mean, yeah, he is the worst type of character. He walks off leaving Brian and Dwayne like, what the fuck just happened? Oh, they are mad. Yeah. They're like, fuck you. We get a bit of a montage of the club that night, including Janet signing something for Brian, who's excitedly explaining something to her, but she walks away while Brian is still talking, giving us a hint at what's to come later. She looks interested, but she's kind of just like, mm. Okay, thanks. Away with her Janet straw. Where can I get a straw that has my name on it? They could probably find it online. I am going to look for one. And then we'll put them in our drinks. Oh, absolutely. However, that doesn't burst Brian's bubble. This is why I love Brian, because he's just like so positive. And again, he's too gullible, but he's just so like, yeah, fuck it, dude. Like, it's cool. It's a good time. I love Janet. And he's happy as hell he talked to her. They decide to leave, and Dwayne shoulders the shit out of the grad dude, saying, fuck you, before walking out. Dwayne has some baggage and some anger. What did you keep saying? Like, I love an emo girl. He is very emo. <laughs> Yeah, he actually later on in the movie ends up at kind of like a metal bar. Yeah, he has this whole other fucking side Life. story. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, well, okay. And it's kind of unfortunate because Dwayne is kind of like our final boy, right? But he's definitely not the most interesting character in this film. And maybe that's what they try to do with this. They try to make him a red, red herring. herring. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there's better ways to do it. Oh, he's in a metal. So clearly he's the killer. Obviously, if you're into metal, you're a bad person. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that. I'm in a metal. I'm not a bad person. I think one of the directors of the film said that he actually came from the gay metal scene. What? So I wonder if this character is his interpretation of himself. Oh, okay. We could have left the metal scene, though, and not left in that, like, under the bridge fire barrels scene. That scene seemed a little out of place for me. Yeah, yeah. we could have just left him in the club getting into fights. Elsewhere! We see a queen from behind sitting in the dark on her phone exchanging messages with someone talking shit about the other queens and saying the club is a joke. We see that it's Janet. When another queen comes in to tell her she was great and Janet just responds, bitch, I know. It's Audrey Harburn who walks in. I didn't know until later. She continues making these passive aggressive comments to the other queen while we cut to the grad dude getting texts asking if he wants his dick sucked now or never. Now or never. Now or never. He's like, let me, let me see them pics. And the guy's like, nah, come. See when. <laughs> Which is weird because the dude's real fucking picky with Brian and Dwayne, but he's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll just go. I think it's the thing of as the night is going on, he's realizing he's not going to get lucky, so he's got to just go for what he can. <laughs> fuck this guy. Oh my god. His death, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. He follows the pounder out to the backyard of some house and finds the cellar door open. He's stupid as fuck and makes the great decision to go down and finds the walls covered in plastic. I think when this film was originally in the stages of like workshopping and scripting they commented on how unsafe the gay dating scene can be and i think in general with dating apps now it's very unsafe there's always like those urban legends of they went on a tinder date and there was plastic all over the place if a girl was like i'm around the corner and then there's a cellar door open i'd be like no i'm good <laughs> Seems I'm a little sketch yeah <laughs> but again i think that's why it's like it's commenting on how unsafe yeah. it is gotcha be safe out there guys guys girls and non-binary folks yeah across the room a hand comes out of a hole and he's like <laughs> nice and he takes his dick out 
<laughs> okay, okay, but the gloved hand is very fabulous. It is. It's, it's very, beckoning. Yeah, it's glistening in the light too. It's like oily, right? No, I think it has um like lube. No, does it? I don't. I don't I, I only watched this once. I just remember it glistening. I can't remember. It's, it's the glitter out of the nails. Oh, but it was gloved though. <laughs> yeah, they had um rings on the gloves. Oh, gotcha. And I think I might have some of those that I kind of want to use for the drink video okay. if we can ever get our lives together to make a drink video. He pulls out his fake dick dildo to put it in the hole. I say that because like it's obviously a dildo that he sticks into there, or yes. it's his dick, and he just has a really fake looking dick. So this is an interesting debate, right? I think at some point he might have been real. But when they actually show it, like the whole thing, I, that is definitely a dildo. Oh, okay. Well, it looks fake from it looks, the get-go. Yeah. And I apologize. Actor, sir, if yeah. that is your real package. Yeah. He puts his fake dick into the hole and starts moaning until we see someone approaching on the other side with a meat grinder. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's like, watch the teeth. And he says, watch the teeth for so long. But I'm like, no, I think the moment that these things that work instead of a meat grinder start just pinching at your fucking dick tip. I'm sorry ahead of time, too. This is a very graphic episode okay but when i saw that meat grinder i was laughing i was like oh no but i was laughing i mean yes i was laughing too but it goes very into the detail you see the meat coming out the other side getting grinded and he's like don't use your teeth ah he starts screaming literally getting his meat grounded mm-hmm. he falls back as blood just keeps squirting out his ripped of dick and i asked you would it stay hard because the base is still hard this is a fucked up question i'm sorry <laughs> But his base is still hard, and you were like, yeah, because it's All the blood's blood. there. But yeah, it's leaving. Like, the reason boners happen is because it's full of blood. Well, and if the blood is blood. leaving, he'd be flaccid. Wouldn't he? Let me, let's know. Let's know. <laughs> we should ask the guy who got his dick cut off in the 90s. Oh, my God. There is a documentary about how that entire case was handled, and it is bad. <laughs> really? Yeah, because they make it into a huge joke. But at the end of the day, that woman was very abused by her husband. But it was a huge joke everywhere. Yeah, he literally did porn after with yeah. his reattached dick, and he got famous. He for did. That. And then in recent years, he was like a huge Trump supporter, and she was trying to like rebuild her life. And her name's Lorena Bobbitt. I don't know if that was like her married name, but years later when it was all over and she was remaking her life with her new husband he kept trying to contact her saying like they could do things to make money together because their case was so infamous yeah fuck that guy because it was a joke for so long and i don't think i was old enough to remember the case exactly i was a kid and i remember kids at school being like you can get your dick cut off by a girl while you're sleeping i was like bitch i'm eight why do you know about this case (laughs) cut to some cooking sausages classic subtle brian and Dwayne are talking about how crappy that grad dude was when brian switches to ask Dwayne what happened with his ex Dwayne ends up explaining there was someone else and gets really deep in thought but when the camera zooms out we see that brian's just on his phone like damn that's crazy brian may not be the best friend no i mean but brian later like is also funny about it because he makes a comment to Dwayne and is like you have a really funny way of making things about you <laughs> oh my god yeah i loved that line <laughs> yeah. So he's self-aware, I think. But Dwayne's like, it's fine. I'll get over it. This whole time, there's this feeling that Dwayne has some shit he needs to figure out. Like we said earlier, there's this whole undertone of him having demons Having inside. a dark side. Yeah. It gets this whole face your demons arc. Back at the club, one of the go-go dancers in tragedy are taking the trash out. The go-go dancer is telling her a story about some dude from last night. When she opens the dumpster and is like, oh. And closes it. <laughs> Love this reaction. Walking away. The go-go dancer is like, what? Opens the dumpster and screams, finding the body of Candyman from earlier. Cut to some detectives, Barry and O'Hara, who get a call from Tony asking them to come to the club. Detective O'Hara is an old friend of Tony, and you can tell they've worked in shady shit together before. We cut to the detectives at Tony's office who question him about the body. Every time we get scenes like this, it's like a whole bit. All right, Tony. All right, whatever you say, Tony. All right. All right, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, we'll take care of it, Tony. Let's just, you know what? The city's real big now, so uh, it's not like it used to be anymore. And he hands him another wad of cash. And he's like, all right, well, Tony, we'll, uh, we'll just dump the body over at the Chinese restaurant. Also, the dynamic with his partner is... Like they like each other? Like they're into each other? Like they're not into each other? I don't know. These guys are bears, right? I know that term. They're kind of thin. Well, Johnny always tells me that bearded hairy men are bears. Bearded hairy and I think thick. O'Hara is thick, bearded and hairy. So is Tony. Okay, Tony is not. <laughs> and we'll talk about that terrible pillow. Uh, his fat suit or whatever. Yeah. Tony says that if he killed him, he wouldn't put him in his own dumpster. And that because he was a drug addict, it was only a matter of time before he showed up in a dumpster. A little insensitive, but okay. Again, Tony is a piece of shit. Tony ends up getting mad, though, with the whole situation and pays them to get rid of the body. All while Barry's like, what the fuck? O'Hara obviously has a relationship with Tony. Clearly. But Barry's like, aren't we cops? <laughs> yeah, he's just like, how much do I have to pay? 
way to make this go away. <laughs> and then hands him that bag of cocaine and he's like, this will do. Yeah. All back while they're bagging it up, Barry notices the body was drained of its blood, but O'Hara doesn't give a shit and just says they're going to dump it at the Chinese restaurant around the corner when he gets a call saying a college student's gone missing. We see tragedy on stage, really into playing some sort of electronic instrument to the club that's basically empty. It's like some like electronic like... Oh, we should have looked this thing. up. Let us know if you know what that is. Dwayne watches from behind the bar and is joined by Gloria Hole, who watches disgustedly. She's disappointed that after giving so many years to the club, she's been left at Tuesdays when it's dead. She reminisces about the glamour and the glory of the old days while taking a shot with Dwayne before she goes up to perform. She's got an older style, but it's still very glamorous and elegant. She stops halfway as the lyrics of the song say, I'm not someone you forget. I told you ahead of time, I noticed a lot of things throughout this that were like hints, foreshadowing. So yeah, when she stops singing, the song literally says, I'm not someone you forget and says, fuck this while walking off stage. She goes into Tony's office while he's snorting a line and tells him she can't be reduced to this. He's snorting a line, but he is not snorting a line. No, yeah, he completely misses, but they recorded that. (laughs) Tony goes off and says they've argued about this before. Gloria says she'll do something modern that people know, and Tony gives her a chance saying Audrey Harper won't be in on Saturday because she's on house arrest for public indecency. Love that. Like always, apparently. (laughs) But tells her not to mess it up or she's out. I kind of already brought this up earlier, but I love the character of Gloria Hull. First of all, great name. Second of all, this actor is a very mouth heavy actor like all the acting is done in the way they talk and very I just, emphasized i just love that yeah i really liked gloria hole's character and again spoiler alert i was actually sad to see that she was the killer and brian too brian's death and gloria being the killer i thought maybe brian was gonna have his moment where gloria maybe took him under her wing and gloria was like reliving her youth through brian like okay maybe i'm not old and i can like show someone else the ropes and still have like a fresh person on stage with my legacy i thought that's what gloria's whole story was but this is a horror movie and yeah. we don't get wholesome stories like that so every character seems to be a red herring in this film and i really wanted it to be janet fitness oh yeah yeah fuck <laughs> janet <laughs> The scene is really sad, though. When Gloria walks off confident, saying like she's not going to mess it up, Tony throws money at her face saying she needs a new wig because it looks like a cum rag. And it's like really degrading. People are so fucking trash because this happens to people, you know? But also wigs are very expensive. Also, fuck Tony. Gloria sticks up for herself, though, and says she'll always be the first lady of Providence, ominously. Also, Providence seems to be a character within this film itself. I actually found out that because the budget for this film was so small, a lot of the local businesses just let them film there. And a lot of the music featured in this because as you know, copywritten music is very expensive, is actually from people in the music scene of Providence. Yeah, I love this. It sounds like not only a passion project for the creators and the directors, but also the people in the community who are like, yeah, fuck it, let's help our friends out. And that whole music scene makes sense because there are times for sure where it seems like the queens are lip syncing to probably music that can't be used and it's like they dubbed over that music. Yeah, elsewhere. Janet is drinking from a swirly straw that's shaped to say Janet when Brian walks in the same place, completely surprised and happy to see her. He tries to greet her, but she dodges him. He tries reminding her she said she would sign his headshots, and she acts like she doesn't know what he's talking about. He's also wearing a Janet shirt. Yeah, it's literally got her face on it, and she roasts him for it. Like, what a bitch, dude. (laughs) If someone wore my shirt, I'd be embarrassed, first of all. I would be, like, humbled. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, fucking nice shirt, you piece of shit. Dude, it's your merch. (laughs) It's your face, dude. Are you talking shit about yourself? I don't know what's happening right now. He's like, it's cool. I'm also a performer and I'd love for you to come to one of my shows. I'll even try to get you like tickets. It's just, I don't know when they are yet. But Janet is like, you couldn't pay me enough. This shatters Brian because he's like, oh, so you're actually horrible. (laughs) (laughs) She says he's a restraining order waiting to happen. And Brian's like, what? Don't meet your heroes, kids. I met Stan Lee. He's my hero and he was great. I actually felt bad because he was like actively dying in front of me. Oh. He was just so old. I felt bad. I was like, you don't have to sign it. Literally being here is enough. Yeah. People I admired have just turned terrible with time, like JK Rowling. Lady Gaga's great. Lady Gaga's still great. We're going to go see her. Taylor's great. I mean, she is a white feminist, but I still do enjoy her music. Okay, so she's not great. I mean, she's <laughs> getting better. She's fine. She's trying, and I will defend her. 
Aren't they all? Aren't we all? Meanwhile, Gloria is at a place miserably calling off bingo numbers as older folks play. We find out later, too, that this is actually her place. She owns a bingo hall. Okay, I was confused by this bingo hall scene. I thought it was part of the club, but then we find out it's like next to her house or in her basement or something. (laughs) She looks across the room at the photo of a woman with the name Kitty Litter and says she left her and that her legacy is an embarrassment before an old man gets angry with her that he's been yelling bingo and she reads out that he won an appetizer at a restaurant nearby. Oh, so Kitty Litter is a great drag queen name. Yeah, one thing I want to point out is that except for those bachelorettes at the end and then like a handful of women like the reporter, most of the women who play in this, even like the dead grad student's mom, are played by queens. Yes. Dwayne and Brian are going for a walk when Dwayne asks why Brian is wearing this black hat with a black veil. Brian explains what happened with Janet and how she's a monster when Dwayne says they all are and asks why the worst people are always in power. Dwayne gets really worked up to the point of saying he might slice someone's throat because he's tired of the gigs and being treated like a peasant. Again, red herring, but also just love how dramatic Brian is. I'm just going to start wearing a black veil when things don't go my way. Do it. I'd wear one every day. I'm surprised you're not wearing one right now. You know what? Let me go find one. Okay. While we wait for Vivi to get back. Brian's like, there's nothing wrong with being working. Oh, you, did you get your veil? I only have our wedding veil. My wedding veil, not your wedding veil. Mm, it's white. It really is. You got married in white? La puta. <laughs> Brian's like, there's nothing wrong with being working class when Dwayne's like, wish me luck at work. And Brian tells him to try not to kill anyone. Demons inside Dwayne arc. What a twang, twang twist. Twang twist. You didn't eat your moonshine cherry. Oh, I, I saw that. I don't want any. I'm sick. I'm already wasted. From popping that cherry? Plugging that cherry. Looks away in fear. At the club, Audrey enters the dressing room where Janet's doing her makeup. Janet asks what happened to her house arrest, and Audrey says the judge changed his mind after she found him on Pounder. That is hilarious. Janet tells her her spot's been given to Gloria, though, and Audrey just says it's fine because she'd rather not be seen on the same flyer as her. We get a little bit of foreshadowing here because Audrey asks to use Janet Janet's mirror when Janet slams a little mirror into Audrey's chest, knocking her into her seat and saying if she's going to have two faces, she should at least make one of them pretty. Yeah. We get a montage at the club and cut to Lindsay and Rosebud doing their makeup and talking about who could be the killer. Lindsay's the one that's like, oh my God, I don't know if I can work here anymore. They don't even like talk about her and she's just in that one scene and at the end a little bit. Mm -hmm. She's even the one in the artwork for the movie, but she has like the most minimal role except for this really glamorous performance at the end. Her makeup's just on point and they wanted her in the movie poster. Apparently they decided on that movie poster because they saw that in terms of streaming movie posters with faces tend to get more clicks interesting yeah it calls attention it's a good movie poster i really like it rosebud says it couldn't be tony because there's too much science to draining the blood Lindsay's like i think i gotta go and asks tragedy what the body she found looked like as tragedy digs into a pomegranate with a knife stoically she's just like lost <laughs> love this and goes back to eating her pomegranate. We get another montage of the club and cut to the end of the night as a bartender asks Audrey to close up for the night. Audrey goes upstairs to count her tips and lets Tragedy know they're closing. We just see Tragedy twirling while holding up a duster to a disco ball. She's got like this scarf that goes around her face and you can only see her eyes. And she says, au revoir, mon ami. (laughs) (laughs) Audrey's counting her money when someone with a mirror mask comes up behind her. Audrey gets startled, but she thinks it's Tragedy and finds the whole get up cute. She goes up to her and starts licking and kissing the mask until she finally takes a seat again holding a mirror up and mocking Janet from earlier saying she's a bitch when suddenly the figure grabs Audrey by the back of the head and smashes her face into the little mirror that's on the table. Her face gets smashed over and over and we can see her face covered in glass shards completely ripped up just spewing blood. It's cool because you could see like the mirror's point of view of her face with the shards just sticking out from her cheeks and chin and shit. The figure smashes her head one last time and leaves as we get a zoom away shot of Audrey's face i asked you if you would die from this and i guess from loss of blood you would i think you would eventually it'd be a long painful death yeah i just don't think she would have died immediately like she does here because i can understand if you were like oh she dies from like the head trauma but she's not she's not beat up like her face is (laughs) oh my god get it together don't (laughs) die right now she just has glass in her face it's not beat up (laughs) Her face is not beat, would you say? That's a makeup term, you know? Okay. Oh, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry sorry for not knowing. Dwayne's at the apartment upset. He's got to be a shot boy for the mask for mask ball as Brian just hypes him up saying he looks good. We get a shirtless view of Dwayne, his nipple piercings. He's got this like feather outfit and this like mask. He's very unhappy with this costume. Yeah, he hates it. Brian likes the whole idea of the masquerade while Dwayne thinks it's going to be a disaster. Brian then does a little more foreshadowing by saying he and Dwayne are like Elphaba and Glinda. Do you know who Alphaba and Glinda are? Yeah, Alphaba is the bad witch and Glinda's the good witch. Yep. He says that Dwayne is Alphaba for being pessimistic and Glinda is cheerful. 
Dwayne asks if he dies in the end, and Brian says her death is a ruse to trick her enemies, and literally yells out, spoiler alert, sorry, not sorry. I oh think, my god. <laughs> I think that Elphaba and Glinda aren't Dwayne and Brian. I think that they are Tragedy and Gloria, because Gloria is like the cheerful one of the two, and Tragedy is the pessimistic one. But it is talking about Dwayne, because... You think he dies at one point and he comes back to defeat. I don't think it works because Dwayne doesn't die, quote unquote, one time. He, that ending scene is probably like my other gripe with this movie. It's like the Peter Griffin chicken fight with them at the end that I'm like, this doesn't work. It keeps going. Yeah. So I think this is talking about Dwayne. I think it's talking about tragedy. It could be Florida. both. It could be applied to both for sure. That is really funny with this movie because I guess they're not suspecting you to be paying attention to the dialogue that much. And it totally gives away <laughs> the ending. Wow. Yeah. At the club, the mask for mask ball has started and Tony can't get a hold of Audrey while Janet says she can't believe he's letting Gloria ruin their biggest night of the year. Some more foreshadowing happens when Janet complains to Tony about how he hasn't updated the place and needs to fix... The floorboards? The floorboards because her heel keeps getting caught. Tony's like, nah, those floorboards have held up bigger stars than you. Got her. Lindsay goes up on stage and introduces Rosebud as the first performer of the night while Janet runs into Gloria getting ready in the dressing room. Janet makes fun of her, but Gloria says it's time they gave the people something of substance. Janet makes a comment about the people needing something newer and fresher, and Gloria laughs hysterically asking if she thinks she's going to live forever. Janet just scoffs and walks off. That's what I fucking hate about all this bullshit about millennials. I'm just gonna throw my two cents in here real quick. Because motherfuckers out here just trying to talk shit about millennials. First of all, I'm not a white millennial, so I don't feel like those stereotypes apply to me in the first place. But second of all, Gen Z out here acting like they're not also going to get old and get made fun of by whatever the fuck is next. We're going to get a bunch of alpha male generation. <laughs> 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 they're like, we're literally alpha, bro. Grow up. That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, point is that you should just be nice to people, regardless of how new or fucking young you think you are. So I think that's one of the ways this film is actually pretty fun. It's talking about ageism, sexism, and racism within the queer community. But I feel like anytime there's a community, there's always issues within it. Like the horror community definitely has its issues with accepting other races, other sexualities. And even though you want to say, oh, this is a queer movie, I feel like that message is kind universal like no matter what community you try to belong to that you feel like it's full of your peers there's always going to be pockets of it that are not that understanding like society in general yeah we live in a society people fucking suck just be fucking good people dude just do it it's really not even that hard this has been advice with eric <laughs> rosebud finishes her performance and introduces gloria getting only a clap or two from the crowd Gloria comes out wearing something that looks like it was put together by Sally from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, it kind of does. And starts playing a song that just repeats hashtag I swallow in autotune while she just dances really awkwardly. First of all, this song is great. <laughs> She's like, it's hip. It's young. That's what the kids say, right? I can't believe this isn't a sounder on TikTok. That's viral, to <laughs> be honest. Make the song our song for the <laughs> for the death drop video. Oh my God. This should totally be the song for our video that we should one day record. Yeah, we should do that. Everyone clearly gets... It's awkward about her performance and a dude even calls her grandma when she's done getting a laugh out of the entire crowd gloria runs off the stage crying as glass is thrown at her she's crying in the dressing room when Dwayne walks in trying to cheer her up saying she's a great queen but gloria tells him she doesn't need his pity and tells him to get the fuck out Dwayne leaves calling her a bitter old queen and we cut the detectives finding the grad student washed up on the shore so you feel a little sad for Dwayne because he is just trying to be a good person but i also understand gloria who just went through something very embarrassing Embarrassing, and she assumes that everyone that's in the crowd is just out to get her. You know what? I'm calling it. I'm classifying this as a good for her. Yeah. The detectives wonder if the purpose is the same given that his blood is also drained. We get a random scene of Gloria throwing a cigarette at a baby <laughs> before the detectives go to Tony. I literally gasped. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> this lady's like running with the stroller and she's like, oh, she hello. She doesn't even notice. No, she waves at her and is like, oh, hey, what's going on? She ties her shoe, I think. She flicks it into the baby's <laughs> stroller. Gloria at first isn't even like mean to the baby. She just looks in and is like, oh, nice baby. Fuck you. And it's like, fuck you, Providence. We come back to the detectives going back to Tony to tell him there are too many deaths connected to the club and that they need to stick the place up before info gets out to the papers. Sometimes I forget that these detectives are even in this film. I told you, every time that they're in the movie, it's like a bit. It does feel like a bit. It doesn't feel like they're actually doing anything. They're literally hiding a crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get this out of nowhere montage of Dwayne at some underground street festival while we cut back to the detectives reviewing security footage of the night Dwayne shoved the grad student. This is also one of those scenes where Barry's like massaging O'Hara's shoulders. <laughs> they wonder 
wonder whether he's the killer, and given the dark arc he's been getting, it very well could be. But we cut to the other go-go dancer from earlier getting messages over Pounder, inviting him to get a massage. He shows up to this massage place and lays naked facing down in the massage bed. The masked and gloved figure shows up and climbs on top of him while massaging him, but pulls a knife out and slits his throat over a bucket under the massage bed. Wouldn't he have noticed that the bucket was under... Because it's literally under where you could see. Yeah, I can't imagine like getting a massage and not looking to see what they're doing if they place a bucket under me. And then he's like, what's the bucket for? He's like, oh, the fucking semen. (laughs) 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 This is not a legit massage? No, it never was. For all the lube. Pulls out a gallon of lube. Yeah, he really asked no questions. No. Cut to a forest where the detectives review the dumped body of the shot boy and wonder what the killer could be doing with all the blood. O'Hara wonders if it's more than one person, and we cut to them questioning tragedy, which is foreshadowing again. It's lost on me. Explain it to me again. O'Hara literally says, for no reason, there's no evidence in the scene that says there's two killers like literally it's just barry being like why are they draining the blood and o'hara's like who says it's just one person that's not even a follow-up answer to that you're right oh my god i need to watch this movie again (laughs) we'll find out why it hinted at two killers it cuts straight to tragedy they keep asking her her name and she just keeps saying tragedy and o'hara's like all right all right well uh you know, we got we gotta get we gotta get your true name because we can't take that to the police station. And she's like, "It's tragedy." Should we name our kid Tragedy with an I? That's fantastic. Tragedy Eileen. No, oh, it might just be Tragedy. tragedy Eileen would be cool. into Tragedy. That poor <laughs> child. Child services, come get them that now. Spider Man pointed at me. They continue to question Dwayne, Janet, and Gloria, getting basically no answers from anyone. The montage ends with Janet confronting Tony in his office, saying words getting out of what's going on at his club, and that with bartenders quitting and the queens afraid, he's not going to have a club for much longer cut to a reporter on the news reporting on the vampire of providence wreaking havoc so this is interesting because i don't know if you know this notion in true crime of the less dead where if you pray as a serial killer pray on marginalized communities it will take a while before investigators media catches on if they even care to catch on because you are preying on people who society doesn't give a fuck about exactly the queer the non-white you know so i wonder if this film's trying to comment on that makes sense it took what four kills before the media got involved quite a bit yeah brian turns the news off and says he's really freaked out but Dwayne brushes it off even making a joke about killing the go-go dancer for rejecting him last week brian changes the subject and says he's working on a new role that would be like an alcoholic has been character so he wants to get tips from Gloria Hole. Dwayne makes fun of him though and he's like what's the role he's like flight attendant number two (laughs) (laughs) he's really assigned a lot to this character we cut to another news report where they show the grad student's mom addressing the murder of her son and she's so dramatic you know who she kind of reminds me of the mother from sleepaway camp the very dramatic one at the beginning oh my god we need to cover sleepaway camp because it is wild yeah but she kind of reminds me very like ditzy flighty theatrical yeah she speaks yeah i also love how she's like really dramatic and she just keeps saying that she's gonna use her blog until justice is served (laughs) (laughs) you do that girl and she closes the door halfway And just stares at the camera. I do love this interview. <laughs> she waves around a handkerchief, a handkerchief, if you will. And if it's not obvious, this character, I think you mentioned it in the beginning, is played by. Yeah, another drag queen. They interview another guy who's so funny because he gets so awkward at the camera. He's like, what was the point of getting marriage rights if there's someone out here just killing us? And he looks at the camera like, right? I wish this was video. <laughs> I wish you could see the face. Go watch the movie. I love his logic. I love his logic because I'm like, yes, I, I get what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm with you 100%. Just to be clear, we're not being condescending. We actually get his logic. No, we're not. Can't you see our faces? That makes it sound like we are being condescending. We then, damn it. Just yeah. edit it so we don't sound like assholes. We then cut to Dwayne at a metal show where he hooks up with a dude in the bathroom and does coke. It's a very aggressive hookup. Meanwhile, Gloria is at her place chilling, cutting up some fruit when Brian shows up and gets the door shut on him when he knocks again and shows her a bottle of whiskey. I like how she's just chilling at home in drag and she's very confused on how to cut this melon. If you wore that much makeup all the time, your skin would be fucked. Well, I think her skin's pretty ruined already because she's... Because she's just old? That's so mean. hold hold yes because she's old what is she holding on to dear life fuck it aren't we all as someone who does wear makeup 
if I wear it for too long, my skin hates me. So I don't imagine you're just chilling at home and drag for no one. Unless you're... She's headed to the bingo thing, though. I was going to say, unless you're headed somewhere. Otherwise, sitting at home and drag all the time would ruin your skin. Yeah. She lets Brian in, and Brian starts to go over his character, which he says is old Hollywood and all about the glamour, which he seems to really love about Gloria. Brian means well in the way that he's describing her. Does he, though? Even though he's, like, going in at the same time. He means well. He's being rude in the way he describes her, but he's also oblivious to Gloria's demeanor. She says she has to get ready for bingo and leaves him at the dining table with his notes. Back at the show, Dwayne gets pissed when he sees the dude he was messing around with making out with another dude and starts a fist fight until he gets kicked out. Back at Gloria's house, Brian walks around and grabs a kimono and wig from her closet happily. Gloria's in the bathroom and yells out to him saying that she has to finish the fruit salad for bingo before she walks out and is stunned at the sight of Brian wearing her shit. This is very rude. I barely know you and you're putting on all my clothes. I think Brian wouldn't have died had he not done this too. Yeah, he was very obnoxious about this. He explains that he's been wanting to get in the drag, how he hates Janet, and says Gloria can be his drag mother, further driving the stake into Gloria. That was the final straw for her. Gloria grabs a knife off the table and just stabs him. She sits at her piano and laughs hysterically while she smokes a cigarette, but she hears her front door open. Brian makes it down into the basement and goes out to the cellar door before running into Gloria, who hovers over him, smiling while holding this black lace umbrella. Brian's like, how do you even move so fast? (laughs) When she kicks him in the face, leaving her heel stuck in his eye. I think the exact line is, you're so old, how do you move so fast? Just made me crack up. Blood splatters to her face, and she laughs, licking the blood from her lips. This is when we realize that Gloria is probably the killer. Shock. Probably. Uh, well, because it's not clear if she is the killer or if she's just gone rogue because of how shitty people have treated her. But they have revealed their killer very early on. There is still like <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes of movie left. There is still. Yeah, the movie's long. At the apartment, Dwayne wakes up completely bruised up and calls out for Brian, finding his room empty. We then cut back to Gloria looking in the fridge, holding up a jug and saying she needs one more. At the club, Janet complains about the place being empty because of the news getting out and Tony gets pissed going back to his office and kicking Pup out. Outside, Gloria's driving to the club when Pup walks out in front of her car and gets run over in like the slowest way possible. He just stands in front and he's like, oh, and it lingers on her just driving and then it's like, dog yelp. Yes, there's a dog yell. <laughs> Gloria smiles and finds the body with all its guts all over the place. Again, pretty good effects. There's a lot of intestine use in this. Yes, there is. Cut to the detectives meeting with Tony, who's crying over Pup, going missing, and Barry's like, I don't know whether to call missing persons or the pound. Oh my god. That's when O'Hara mentions Tony has him chipped and suggests calling to get his coordinates. After calling, they find that the coordinates lead to Gloria Hull's house and find it odd he'd be with her. Tony doesn't care and just wants them to bring Pup back while saying a bunch of offensive stuff about Gloria. At the club, we see that Dwayne is distraught while searching for Brian before we cut to a Joker-like scene of Gloria Hull in the dressing room. This is literally the Joaquin Phoenix looking at himself pulling his cheeks back scene from the Joker. The very unhinged moment where the character is becoming the villain, right? And I pointed this out to you because IMDb did give it such low ratings. I'm like, movie bros would be the first one to say like that scene in the joker's amazing but then would watch a movie like this and not get that scene yeah people are weird it's got the same energy gloria hole looks at herself pulling the skin of her face back and opening a music box to get a cigarette she stares intently at herself as she lights it with a candle and just smiles aggressively she drinks her entire glass of wine in one go and slowly gets into a tub of blood as Lindsay performs back at the club Lindsay's performance is like really good too because it goes in tandem with Gloria's transformation and it's just really glamorous and go watch it it's good simultaneously the detectives show up to her house entering the cellar with their guns drawn Gloria fully submerges herself in the blood until finally a hand comes out the side with very long nails she's reborn a completely different person and caresses her new body while we still see shots of Lindsay performing Barry comes upon the tub of blood as we see Gloria pick up a sledgehammer in the background she kills Barry first hitting him across the face and knocking part of his face off it looks like O'Hara finds him and holds him in his arms before Gloria lodges the sledgehammer into the top of his head. Gloria tastes the blood on her middle finger before walking off while holding it up to them. So a couple things. <laughs> we get a reference here to the blood countess, right? Is it Bathory? Elizabeth Bathory? Could be wrong. But if you haven't heard the story, she is a figure in history that allegedly bathed in the blood of virgins to keep herself young. This is that whole rebirth scene. And two, she kills these cops with so much ease that sometimes I wonder if their characters were necessary. But then I get that you'd be watching this and you'd be like, well, where are the cops? 
I don't know. I went as simple as the music that we hear is at the club, not the basement. And when you see her grabbing the sledgehammer, she's dragging it on the ground and they don't know where she is when she kills them. Is this happening in the club or in her bingo hall home? It's happening in the cellar in her home. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, okay. No music. Movie magic. They didn't know. They're gonna know. And the cleaning lady comes on Monday. No, she turns into a vampire on Monday and gotcha. then kills the cops on Friday. <laughs> I feel like we were talking about two very different, like, <laughs> things that we didn't find realistic. <laughs> for you, it was the dragging the hammer. And for me, it was like, the cops why were these cops even appointed? But there's a bachelorette party going on at the club as a bunch of angry women yell at the bartenders for their drinks. They're kind of being rude. If you pay attention to them, they're not actually asking for drinks. They're so drunk, they don't know <laughs> what they're asking for. Because Dwayne's like, what do you want in it? Do you want vodka? What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> they're just screaming. Meanwhile, Tragedy is playing with a glass cup on the bar counter when Dwayne asks her if she's seen Tony because he found Pup's vest outside and thinks something might be wrong. Now I'd like to know that Tragedy is doing this and isn't listening to Dwayne but it seems like Tragedy's got something to do with what's going on with Gloria because it isn't until Gloria appears that that's when she starts to listen to Dwayne but then looks to the door and is like she's beautiful. So she knows that Gloria's already coming before Gloria even gets there. She does. So I feel like whatever she's doing with that cup has something to do with whatever that ceremony is. Or that cup is making her ominous because we later find out that potentially tragedy is the one who informed her of this ritual. Yeah. Tragedy isn't answering Dwayne, though, when we see Janet in the dressing room hyping herself up before her performance. Tragedy then turns and points at the door, saying it's beautiful, as new Gloria enters the club. Rosebud introduces Janet to the stage as we see Gloria going underneath it. Janet just starts telling everybody they're fat as Gloria pulls a knife out and licks it before placing it up to the floorboards. I just love that she's calling everyone fat. I get that her character is a fitness guru, but what the fuck? She's not even performing or lip syncing. She's like, you're You're fat, fat, you're you're fat. fat. You're fat. Oh, you're especially fat. (laughs) Thanks, Janet. Janet does her death drop and falls on the glorious knife, splashing blood at the bachelorette party. We finally get our titular moment where it's literally she does a death drop and is killed which was required of this film gloria at the beginning also told her make sure to nail your death drop she did they cheer though as gloria comes up on stage wearing a veil and starts her own performance over janet's dead body her performance though feels like she's putting the crowd under a trance until Dwayne snaps out of it and realizes that it's gloria which doesn't make any sense at all because why would it be Gloria to Dwayne? This is one of those moments where the editing of the film confuses me a little bit. Because I don't know if this is like a daydream sequence for her or if it's like actually happened. I'm assuming she actually kills Janet Fitness. It seems like it's a trance because she's singing and the people are venerating her. Gloria's getting what she was looking for, which was... Validation. Yeah, from the crowds now that she's young again. I also like to point out that the bachelorette party is like covered in blood and they're just like, oh, yeah. Love oh. this. Love being covered in blood. The one that's like the most horny is the bride to be. If you look at the video, she's like, Yeah, they're just like so into the performances that they don't care what's happening. Bathe me in blood, whatever. Tony's at his apartment eating when Dwayne calls, telling him Janet's dead. Tony doesn't give a shit though, and he's like, How's the night going? How's business? (laughs) Yeah. Dwayne tries to tell him, like, You need to come over here. Where are you? And just hangs up before bursting into tears over Pup. He even like drinks wine out of Pup's dog bowl. When he hears a dog whimper and goes outside to find a giant package, he opens it up to find Pup's head. It's a really creepy scene to it shakes and is like, ah! He screams and tries to call the cops, but Gloria comes up behind him and knocks him out with this electric knife. Electric knife? Isn't that what those are called? I don't fucking know what they're Taser? called. Taser? No, it's a knife. A knife? Yeah. So is this a reference to Seven? What's the fucking box? I don't know. Maybe. Is it that easy to make a reference to Seven? I, I feel like so. heads are shipped to people a lot. What? <laughs> in movies like Horror this. movies? Yeah. Okay. In general. Just to clarify. <laughs> yeah. At the club, Dwayne's on his phone when tragedy comes out from behind a door and says, boo. It's the vampire. Dwayne's like, not now, when she hands him a bingo ball with the number 69 on it. Nice. Cut to the bingo hall. This is how Dwayne also realizes, go to the bingo hall. 69? It's a bingo ball. It's a bingo ball. Yeah. I didn't realize that the first time. I was like, why the fuck she hand him a ball? The fuck's that gotta do anything? But we cut to Dwayne taking an Uber, and we see that the driver is Linnea Quigley. Oh my god, what a random cameo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Famous for so many, many horror movies, obviously. But I love her because she's so spacey, because she's like, where are we going? And he's like, the bingo hall. And she's like, ah. Okay. 
and turns around. <laughs> it's such a quick moment. Like, if you're not paying attention, you won't catch it. But what film did we see her in recently? Oh, Return of the Living Dead. Yes. She's the one who dances naked on top of the graves. Very iconic. Yeah, love her. Not because she's naked, just in general. Just in general. But also because she's naked. <laughs> Cut to the bingo hall where Gloria drops bingo balls down the stairs before making her entrance. She tries performing, but at one point, the record skips, ruining her moment. Tony is tied up to a chair and wakes up from being knocked out. When he starts yelling at her before, she slaps him and shoves a cloth into his mouth. Also, how does he know who she's Gloria? Yes, because I don't think you've mentioned at this point, this is a different actor. Yeah, completely different. They do a good job, though, because I feel like they nailed Gloria's mannerisms. Yeah. Gloria brings up how the club was raided every night in 1984, and she brings up some trauma, saying that she was even bum-rushed on the stage by the cops, but still finished her number, bloodied and cuffed. This is sad because it just tells you how long Gloria has been in the scene. She was in the scene when being gay was very dangerous. And now there's all these newcomers and they're kind of forgetting the trailblazers that allowed these movements to happen. Yeah, that's exactly what this exposition in the scene kind of explains, right? She grabs an electric kitchen knife and says the community used to have integrity and she had to bust her ass to get to the top. While he got fat and lazy, he spoiled these so-called drag queens who have no regard for the real queens who sacrificed it all. She says she built the place from the ground up and he thought she expired. She says she's forever and that her tuck is everlasting. Best fucking line in this movie. <laughs> yeah. like, loved it. Did we talk about Tony's fake pillow? No, it's, it's coming up. There's one scene where we finally see him sitting down. He has a literal pillow yeah. in his stomach, but the entire film, they're calling him fat. And you don't understand why they keep bringing this up until this scene. Yeah. He tries saying something and she gives him a chance to say his last words. While he apologizes to her very convincingly i might add he's like yeah well you know i'm really sorry for you gloria you know you know i always fucking loved you gloria it's just you know i, I played with the hands that i was dealt you know i mean I, what do you expect from me i mean i i just did what i could no you could have been better you were a piece of shit dude his character is meant to be a piece of shit though yeah while he apologizes to her Dwayne sneaks around in the background gloria thinks he's full of shit and cuts his remaining fingers off Dwayne yells at her to stop and scares the shit out of her he tries to convince her not to kill him and says she looks young and beautiful so she doesn't have to but she just tells him not to interrupt and goes at Tony's stomach with the electric knife no 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 she says thank you which I found hilarious yeah it's funny because it's a change of pace from her earlier being like I don't fucking need your pity and now she's like ha thanks thanks but she tells him not to interrupt and goes at Tony's stomach with the electric knife this is the only payoff we get of Tony being fat she goes in on his stomach completely ripping him up covered in blood rips his guts out starts playing with the intestines until Dwayne's like what the hell people loved you my friend Brian looked up to you that's when Gloria tells him she killed Brian and did the acting community a favor oof Dwayne tries to attack her but gets raised by the neck with one hand and has some of Tony's intestines shoved into his mouth she says you love kissing ass so much why don't you eat it there's something (laughs) along those lines and she shoves the intestines in his mouth she throws Dwayne to the ground and goes upstairs to her mom's shrine to let her know she's glad she's dead she's like look at you look at your legacy I'm glad you died (laughs) before she can leave though Dwayne throws a bottle at her and they start a whole ass fist fight complete with bottles being smashed on heads and bingo cards being shoved into mouths when he grabs the three or four bingo cards and shoves it in her mouth she's like (laughs) it's like comedic no it's a great final battle there's also a bunch of fights over fake outs yes I think she knocks Dwayne out like three or four times she lights a cigarette takes it from baby Jesus revels in it and then Dwayne comes back and then she knocks him out again and then she grabs a champagne bottle and like pours it in her mouth but doesn't drink it just pours over to the side and she caresses herself and then Dwayne comes back again just to clarify there is a whole nativity scene in this bingo hall (laughs) Eric just didn't throw a baby Jesus in there out of nowhere (laughs) it's in the scene (laughs) holding a cigarette yeah Finally, Dwayne smashes her mother's ashes on her face and knocks a wood decoration with a star on top over on her, causing the star to impale her. Why is this a star that can impale people? Have you seen those nativity scenes with the star that the wise men <laughs> Impaled follow? Impaled in someone? They're pointing. Dwayne takes the baby Jesus statue and stands over her saying her career isn't the only thing that's dead. Gloria just says to tell them Gloria said to fuck themselves. Dwayne's like, you're a monster. But Gloria says they all were. Janet, Audrey, Tony, even deep down inside, so are you. She finishes telling him to finish the number, and we get a card that says six months later. Dwayne's completely redesigned the club, and one of the other bartenders calls him boss. I don't think this is actually how that shit works, right? Like, a bunch of people died inside of your club, and it doesn't just go to your employees. It's not like an inheritance. Unless you put it in your will. 
that the remaining employees must fight to the death. I don't know. <laughs> Even then, I don't think that's legal. No. Anyway. This Dwayne's is not how business works. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne's in charge of the club somehow. When the bartender asks him what the plan is, since customers haven't been there since that night, he just says things will be different. As he reviews a postcard, it's like a dude riding a bike and it says province, and he just walks off. Question mark. That's the, that's the last we see of Dwayne. Elsewhere, Gloria is driving saying she's going to miss the city while Tragedy sits in the passenger seat holding a map. We don't see Tragedy first. It's just a figure holding a map up while Gloria talks and says, what do we do now? Gloria asks if it's just going to be them together forever on the run when Tragedy says they're going to need blood again eventually. She pulls out Janet's swirly straw after telling Gloria to think of the kills as maintenance. And Gloria's like, well, if we're hanging out forever, I'm going to need you to lighten up. They laugh, and you see the sign that says province until the screen goes black and zooms in on their dominoes hanging in the middle of the car. Love this. Okay, the town is not just province, it's province town. Okay. So I'm assuming that they're going to take the blood of gay men at some club in province town now. And I asked you while watching this, is this a reference to Thelma and Louise? When they drive off into the sunset all glamorously. I'd never seen that. We watched the video and they kill themselves, don't they? Yes, but there's another scene where they're literally one of them wears like a headscarf like that. And they're like laughing in the convertible. I feel like I've seen this scene in a lot of movies. I think Lady Gaga and Beyonce yes. replicate the scene and their telephone music video. Yeah, this scene is used a lot. Yes. So maybe it is from that. Now, do you think that Dwayne is confused when he gets the postcard or he purposely let Gloria live? Or is Dwayne a vampire? Is he in on it? And that's the dark under arc that he has. That's how things are going to be different now. And they're like, we're going to leave him in charge here and we'll just go to the town over. And yeah, he's going to make it a little different because they're too old school. He's even a new age vampire. And then we end up with a Blade story where he becomes Ice Bucket. What, what the fuck was his name? Frostbite? Was, was Frost. Oh. <laughs> and then that's how Dwayne's story actually continues. <laughs> but what did you think of this movie? This was just so fun to cover. We have been covering films that were a little heavy, so it's great to get into some horror comedy lately. If you take a minute and do not judge it based on its indie roots, there are some scenes that are really well thought out, really amazing. There are some scenes that have blurry camera work, but you have to kind of suspend that and just realize that this is a labor of love and i think you should watch it more than once it's so subtle it's so like oh shit that's why this happens oh shit that's so funny because of this it's not corny and i liked the movie that much more because of it like you said it's obviously a labor of love it's a grand old time i liked it the horror scenes were great too like the kills are brutal the screwdriver being squished around in someone's back the sledgehammer to the head someone's face getting ripped off so when i first watch it so when we first watched it i thought i was going to give this movie maybe like a five or a six but researching it talking about it now again it's made me appreciate it more tragedy and gloria steal the show i don't care about any other character on this what did you think look i think that it is an indie film i made fun of a couple things there's like a scene where the literal background is in focus and not the characters talking but who gives a shit right watch it for what it is like i said i watched it the second time piecing things together noticing things that i was like oh my god like these writers didn't just write a funny campy whatever movie like they really cared about everything that was said every little detail the horror is great the characters are amazing i love the performances this movie's fucking fun and if you don't think so like fuck off no like seriously go watch this movie and give it a rating because i think it deserves more attention only has 220 reviews it needs more i think it's amazing when people just do things out of their own pocket out of their own love for something there is tons of mediocre horror films about white cisgendered people we can have mediocre horror about other communities and still love it and enjoy it yeah. so what would you rate it i'd rate this a seven and a half oh you stole my rating i was gonna <laughs> give it a 7.5 yep i already said it fucking still better than midnight mass you really hate midnight mass i fucking hate how boring that show is and this made vampires funner okay. than that did yeah i want to say that we say this on a happy note that it's pride month this is a really good movie to go fucking check out and it's put together by an entire community of people who are queer so like go check it out support them like i said review it Go on Letterboxd, review it. Go on IMDb, review it. Go on Shutter, review it. Watch it twice. Do watch it twice. If you have to. I'm usually stupid and can't catch it. Watch it a second time if you have to. One time is good, though. Do we want to talk about what scared Loki about this film? I don't think that anything scared Loki, but hearing pups whimpering and dog barking and growling definitely was like, wait, is that a dog or not? Because you could tell he was like, I don't I don't know. If, I don't know if that's a dog. That's hilarious. I will say they did use like real dog noises. They right? did. Okay. They really did. Because like the whimpering is definitely a dog. I was like, no human can actually make that noise. No. Yeah. So. I hope not. Loki was confused. He likes masks. I wonder if he'd get thrown off by a dog mask. Do you want to tell us about it, Loki? 
Loki's like, I don't need your fucking pity, mom and dad. Give me a fucking tree and get the fuck out of my face. I am so lost. I don't even know what <laughs> you said last about him. About how he was like, I don't know if that's a duck or not. <laughs> On another note, though, I got an idea today. Well, I doesn't know, but I kind of want to make a plushie out of Loki. Out of him, literally. Not <laughs> but I saw that this other creator, Curtis Connor, from Comfort Content a few weeks ago, has a dog and he got like plushies made of his dog. And given that Loki is the mascot and star of our show, I figured it'd be a great idea to do the same. So let us know if you'd like to i'm i think i'm just gonna fucking do it and if you want to support our show and get a plushie of loki and his teeth his underbite make sure to check it out and keep an eye out for it but does that pretty much wrap it up for us here tonight yeah if you want to be death drop gorgeous go check out this fucking movie otherwise you're gonna get old and bitter like gloria troll is that the message of this movie you're gonna stay young because you're gonna kill a bunch of people oh true 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 but you can't do it unless tragedy's there so and if tragedy's there honestly you're living the dream your best life yeah but as always we hope you guys had a good time here with us you can follow us pretty much anywhere at shaking at scared pod except twitter twitter shaking scared pod you can send us an email at shaking at scared pod at gmail.com support the show on patreon you can get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and theme drink idea every month we just covered like i said the sadness it's so sad watch this for fun and then watch that for sadness and then watch this again because it's fun you're gonna need to cheer up yeah listen wherever you get your podcast give us a follow check out our drink videos throw loki a treat buy him as a plushie if we do that be sure to like rate review all that good stuff and Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.